0: So, uh, I'm sure you all uh, heard the old joke, it's uh, every, every winter whenever there's a snow day, it always goes around on WhatsApp, but you know, for, you know, for old time's sake, I'll tell it over here. There's a snow day in, uh, in the yeshiva, so all the classes are canceled. And the the principal goes down to uh, school anyway to, you know, do some paperwork. And as the principal's walking down the hall, he passes by the third grade classroom. And he sees the third grade rebbe sitting at his desk. And he opens the door. He says, Rabbi, you don't have to be here. There are no kids here today. He says, exactly. At home, I got six of them. So, So (laughs) Um, I'm not sure entirely all of the concerns that everybody has about the summer, but I imagine one of the concerns is the amount of time that your children are going to be home, which is probably more than the rest of the year. And I, I'm, I'm looking out in the crowd, I see this is predominantly a female audience. Yeah. <laughs> so you know why do why do I draw attention to that? because with men when you have kids at home, men can find an Eitza, you know <laughs> i don't know if I should tell this joke, but <laughs> I already started it, so there <laughs> it's not i don't know it's not so nice but there's there's an old joke about you know the 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 were uh Established by the Oves. That's not a joke, by the way. That's <laughs> that part's real. <laughs> so Shachris is connected. Avram. Avram made Shachris, right, the morning prayer, and uh, Minchas Yitzchok. Yitzchok made Mincha, the afternoon prayer, and Yankiv, you know, Yankiv made Ma'ariv, the, the evening prayer. Wh- why? Why did Yankiv make Ma'ariv? If you had twelve kids at home, you'd also find an excuse to get out in the evening. So, so the men have uh, eightes, but. A woman, as, as we know, is a keres habayas. So when you're the foundation of the home, it doesn't really work so much to remove yourself from the home. In fact, even from one very heightened perspective, there's a sikh where the Rebbe speaks about one of the tenoyim, uh, a he used to refer to his wife as his home. He called her Basi, which... I was told later, you have to be careful, you have to explain that, because it's not necessarily a compliment. You, <laughs> I was, <laughs> call your wife my house, and you have to explain, no, my, my, my home, my, my household, my, well, whatever, Basie, whatever, okay. Anyway, but the point is, you have all this action going on in the house, and the kids, the kids are underfoot, and it's like, okay, what am I going to do with them? So here's here's the first thing that I want to tell you. It's actually, it's a good wake-up call when the kids are home because it will serve to disabuse you of the notion, the false sense of security that is brought on by the state called out of sight, out of mind. You know what I'm talking about? Out of sight, out of mind. So if my kid is at school, you know, they must be okay. Everything's taken care of. And what I want to tell you is that's not so. No, 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 <laughs> your kid's okay. They're safe. They're all right. Baruch <laughs> beautiful. But what... Here, <laughs> schools are wonderful. The schools are doing their job. But that's, that's precisely the point. They're only doing their job. They're doing their job. See, here, here's the thing. Here's, here, here's what you have to know. And I've seen this thousands of times. You can take a room full of the world's greatest experts in education, teachers, therapists, learning experts, whatever you want. A thousand of the world's greatest experts in education and what a thousand experts, educators, rabbis, all together can do for one child will never amount, not even close, to what one loving parent can do for their own child. Okay, yeah, applaud that. That's okay. You're applauding yourselves. That's okay. That's right. Your parents, right? Okay. Yeah, all right. Give yourselves a round of applause. Okay. How about that? All right. But it, it's, it's not a joke. What your child gets at school is a bonus. It's an addition to what they're getting from you. And is it possible that somebody didn't grow up in a supportive home and they didn't have attentive parents, and despite all odds, they go out and they find an adult role model and they succeed even though they didn't have what they needed at home? Yes, of course it could happen. Of course, people do that. And it takes the agia atsuma, it takes an intense toil. It can be done. But it's it's an uphill battle. The reality is that what a child gets at home is the Iker, and what they get outside of the home is the Tuffle. And and I'm sure the schools themselves are the first to agree with that. I I, want to explain. What a child gets from being safe, and loved, and accepted by their parents, by their co-creators, by the people who brought them into the world, along with Hashem, that provides the foundation that a school can come in and have something to work with. So this is what I want you to know. That, yes, it's true, that bekamos, quantitatively speaking, our children spend the most amount of time out of the house. But, beechus, qualitatively speaking, there's absolutely no question at all that school is the tuffle and the home is the iker. By the way, that's the way it is with all of Yiddishkeit. The shul is not the center of Judaism. The home is the center of Judaism. The shul is a satellite. The base, the core, I mean, think about it, we survived 2,000 years in exile without the infrastructure, without the organizations that normal nation states have. How did we do it? Because our center wasn't in some capital or in some cathedral or some Vatican, Lahavdil, The capital of the Jewish people was in every single Jewish home overseen by Jewish mothers. The survival of the Jewish people is because they could never take away the real secret, which was the Jewish people endure and thrive because our homes are strong and Jewish mothers are the ones who make those homes strong. That's, that's the secret of a people in exile. So now, even when we have the luxury, we have the luxury to have Maistis <sighs> Chinuch Baruch Hashem, Nice buildings, nice classrooms, nice resources. That didn't come to take the place of the home. It's a nice addition. It's a nice addition. So that's the first thing I want to tell you is there's this illusion of out of sight, out of mind, that as long as my kid is spending six, seven, eight hours a day at this place that's supposed to educate them, oh, now they're taken care of? And as long as when they come home, I feed them, I I did my job. What I'm telling you is no. You cannot rely on an institution to do what only a mother's love, a mother's touch can do. I'm sorry, you can't. When your, your child has a mother's love and a mother's touch, then you can send them to a school and they can benefit from an education. But it's not the other way around. Don't put the cart before the horse. So all year long, you're, you, you're able to indulge yourself in this false sense of security that at least the Yiddish kite part is taken care of because they're in school. And when they come home, at least, you know, I'll feed them, I'll make sure they don't kill each other, and I did my job. I'm But I'm telling you, it's not that way. Even during the school year, it's not that way. So that's the first thing that I want you to know. The second thing, which is a related idea, is that this is especially true with girls. This is especially true with girls. <sighs> Where did public education begin? Actually, in the in the whole world. I was gonna say among Eden, but it's the same answer because the Jewish people were the first people to have public education. There was a Atana, Rabbi Shua ben Gamla, and he saw that there was a a crisis, that everyone has a mitzvah, vishinantam levanecha, and not everyone was capable of fulfilling the mitzvah, so he created public schools. He created a a, a social uh, safety net, basically, that, that the community would come and provide an education for everybody's child. So the first thing you have to realize is that l'chad your child's chinuch, is your mitzvah, vishinantem levanecha. That's you. That's on you. B'diyeved, since for whatever reason we can't practically discharge the, the, the obligation, so we have this infrastructure which comes and supports us and helps us to discharge our obligation. But it's not their obligation, it's ours. So really, the entire mitzvah of Chinuch never stopped being your mitzvah, even though you sent them to school. That's your shliach. But your responsibility to be mechanich, your children, never ends. Now, that's with boys and girls. Let's talk specifically about girls. Girls didn't used to go to school at all. In the times of Yeshua ben Gamla, girls didn't go to school. In fact, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, the girls didn't go to school. Why were girls' schools even started? Because we saw that in the world there were influences, there were ruchais that were very strong. And in order to bolster and to strengthen Jewish girls, we had to give them even more than what they got at home. It used to be That everything you needed to know to be a strong Jewish woman and to raise your own home was to grow up in your mother's home. That's all you needed to know. Whatever you could get in your mother's home, that was enough to go out, get married, have your own children, have your own home. But then there were other forces in the world and we had to combat them. And that's what the schools came and they did. But here's the thing to realize. saying before the parent's job always remains primary the school is always secondary with a girl it's even more so because the primary chinuch of a girl never stopped being the chinuch that you get in the home the idea of girls schools the girls school movement in the frum world the reason why basrifka came into being was to supplement what girls got at home. Not to substitute. It was to supplement, not to substitute. So, yes, it's beautiful that today, our girls, they know history, and they know nach, and they know grammar, and they can tell us which animal was used for a achatas, and it's incredible the things that they know, and they, they, they know tanya, and they know sikhs. But none of that is a substitute for watching your mother at home run a Jewish home. And it never will be. So it's actually, I, mean, I know, it's very, I feel very awkward standing up here as a man telling you this. <laughs> I, 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 the, the, the irony is not lost on me. I, I do get it. It's very easy for me to say. I got it out of might mouth, by the way. <laughs> like I understand, it's very easy for me to talk here. Okay. You know what? You know what Chazal say? Even when it comes to learning, I'm talking about lima it says, Shimusha Gidele Limuda. You know what that means? It talks about Elisha, who was the Talmud of Elio. And, and, and the Gemara asks, why, when Torah describes Elisha, it says he was the one who used to pour water for Elio? <laughs> That's how you describe him, Mashleper? He poured water. Why don't you say that he was the Talmud of Elio? He was Mekabel the Torah from Elio. He was Mekabel Sadeh Satorah. He he taught him the the Derech Describe him as a as a as a disciple. Why does it say he he, he got him water? The Gemara says Shimusha Gedele Milimuda. Even when you're talking about a Rav and Talmud relationship that the real effect you have is not information, it's not teaching them stuff. It's about involving them in hands-on activities. Come on, we're, we're, we're going to make challah. Come on, we're gonna, let, let, let's get the little kids dressed for Shabbos. Oh, you know what? Uh, our neighbor wasn't feeling well. Could you bring this gefilte fish down the hall to the neighbor? Shimusha gedeila milumuda, hands-on participatory experiential Judaism. Now that's important for everyone. For everyone, shimusha gedeila milumuda, even for a Rav and Talmud relationship. How much more so a mother and a daughter, where the main chinuch of the daughter always will remain what she gets at home from from her mother, and everything else she gets academically. That's a beautiful bonus. So not only does the summer come <laughs> and rob us of the, 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 the false sense of security that out of sight, out of mind, but actually what does it do? It's a beautiful thing. It gives us an opportunity to give our daughters what they're thirsting for, what they really, really crave, what they really need. What they, they may not tell you this. They may not know it. That itself shows you how thirsty they are. That They, they can't even articulate the thirst. They can't even explain to you that this is what they crave. But to be involved in hands-on, day-to-day Yiddishkeit with mommy in the home, that is the foundation. That's everything. Now, of course, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Parenting is a lot of work. Eventually kids grow up, eventually, I'm so, so I'm told, you know, they do get married, they do move out of the house. But here's what I want to tell you. I, I don't want to be a, like, uh, what do you call the uh, joy kill here. Uh, you guys had some laughs before I came here, right? So it's okay if I get serious. I, I have this uh, webinar going on, parenting webinar, and Baruch Hashem we have a hundred women right now. Next, after, it's a six-week webinar, so we're on week three. So after the women finish, we'll have the men. We got a hundred women signed up, so that means, you know, the ratio, probably get like five men, but, <laughs> if, if we do well, Anyways, yeah, we have a hundred women right now, and we're doing, the, we have this parenting webinar which Baruch Hashem. Is, uh, is amazing. We have uh, Thursday night, we do 90 minutes on Zoom, and then all week long there's a, there's a WhatsApp chat where we discuss the ideas. And uh, anyway, so today we were discussing the idea of, of transmitting values to our children. What, what does it mean to transmit values? And because um, I was saying, you know, parenting is one thing. Parenting is vishinantum levinachavadibartabom. Teach them, what's them, Torah values, to your children, <coughs> and speak about them, about Torah values. It has to be, that, that's what parenting is, it's instilling values, teaching them what's important, teaching them how to prioritize, what matters in life. That That's what values, value means something that you cherish, I, when I have to make a decision between what's right and what's comfortable. When I have to decide between, between something that's material advantageous and something that's spi- spiritually nourishing, right? That's what values mean. So, Chinuch is transmitting values. So I said, basically, there are, I, there are four Ps. There's policing, protecting, providing, and then there's parenting. So policing, protecting, providing, those are all the necessary evils. That's the stuff that we do to keep peace in the home, to make sure the kids are fed, that they have clothing, that they're emotionally safe, all that kind of stuff. None of that's parenting. It's all a prerequisite for parenting because a child who's not fed, who doesn't have a place to sleep, who doesn't, who doesn't feel emotionally secure, who's not physically safe from harm, if they don't have all those things, then you can't begin the transmission of values. So those are pretty important as prerequisites, but none of those are parenting. Which is, you know, the, the example that I gave is when a kid is going to run in the street, and you grab them, and you say, don't run in the street. Okay, so obviously you have to do that, but that's not parenting. That's protecting. That's policing. You stop them from running in the street. But don't say, well, why didn't they learn? Why didn't they learn? Because that wasn't, you weren't teaching, you weren't transmitting values. When a cop pulls you over for speeding, what does it teach you? Not to speed? No, it teaches you not to get caught. doesn't, right? Policing, that, that, at best, it will get you compliance, Compliance in front of you while you're watching. And then when you're not in the room, they do whatever the heck they want. And also, you know, at worst, it teaches them to lie because they, they don't want to disappoint you. right? But values transmission, which is real parenting, is to get the kids to care. To get the kids to care. To get them to value what I value. To make decisions based on the priorities that I want them to base their decision making on. That's parenting. So eh, policing, protecting, providing, those are prerequisites. We gotta do that. We gotta provide safety and nutrition and all, all, all of the things that allow a child to grow. But then after all that's done, that's when we begin the job called parenting, which is teaching them what to care about. So I was saying on the, on, on the group that when it comes to transmitting values, What's the difference between, um, you know, catching a kid out, you know, busting him, basically, or her, and power tripping, because I'm the big, you know, I'm the, I'm the big adult. You're the little kid. You have to do what I say, right? I caught you doing this. Now you've got to do that. What's the difference between that, which we all know is not successful, and actually transmitting a value, teaching them that something's important so that they themselves come to value it and think that it's important? So so I said, look, ask yourself, ask yourself, if, God forbid, you knew that you had to make a last will and testament, you had to record a two-hour speech, and this is what was going to be shown to your children, you weren't going to be there, God forbid, to raise them, and you could speak for two hours, Okay. After you tell them I love you and and, and you're precious to me and all those things, but after that, what are you going to talk about for the two hours? What are you going to transmit to them? You're going to talk about whatever is most precious to you, whatever is most dear to you. You're going to teach them what to care about in life, how to make good choices, how to know who, who good people are. Your ethical will. You know that Rebbe Rishab wrote an ethical will. It's called Chaneich Lenar. And he thought he was going to pass away. And he wrote a whole book just on this is what I want my child, my only child to know. If I'm not there to raise him. It's, it's, It's worth a read. Just to be inspired by the fact that a father would sit down and pen such a booklet to his child but here's my question what's your what's your ethical will if you had to record a two hour TED talk about what matters in life what would you tell your child is important and then ask yourself if we were to interview your kids right now how much of what you want them to know is important in life do they know already is important in life And if there's a discrepancy, what's our game plan for filling in the gap and teaching them? Because you can't say just because I told you to bench that I taught you that benching is valuable. That's policing, not parenting. You can't say that because I sent you to a school where they bench that I taught you benching is important parenting is the transmission of a value transmission means you cannot give away what you haven't got if you have it if you care for it then your child can get it from you so parenting is the transmission of values so i was mentioning on the whatsapp i was whatever a story that i had forgotten about but i was inspired to mention it so i said you know what parenting is I told him a story. I didn't say it with the name at first because I didn't know if I had permission to, to say it with the name. Later on, someone came in and confirmed that the story was real, which I received many texts from individuals saying how it made it much more real for them. They heard it with the name. It was, uh, it was, it was Leviat Shapira, all of a So anyways, he was 90 years old. He had pneumonia. It was Sheminiat and he wanted a cup of tea. So he went out to the sukkah. And it was raining, it was raining. Now it's Shemini Yatzeres, it's raining. He's 90 years old with pneumonia. What are you doing going out to the sukkah for a cup of tea? And his adult children say to him, Ta, don't do it, don't go. Sit here, drink the tea. Rebbe says, one word, incredulously, Chinuch, he was 90 years old, he didn't have little kids, all of his kids are adults, they're all grown. Chinuch, he says, oh, maybe the eight o'clock, right? Nobody was home, the whole house was empty, everyone was at Hakophis. which means had said us night. They said, "Todd, nobody's home. Sit down and drink the tea." He said, "Ginig is keiner nicht." what you do when nobody knows." Again, I, talk, I I said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make things intense." I'm admitting, I know, it's an intense story, but think about that. Think about what that means. It means, if I ever shared it with you, my dear children, it was because this was so real to me. La Mafreya, At 90 years old, if I show that I was only doing it because I wanted my kids to do it, then it wasn't a value, it was policing, it was power tripping. It was catching kids and making them do what what I'm making them do, just because I'm big and strong and I can force them to. But when a 90-year-old pneumonia says, Chinuch, I'm drinking my tea in the sukkah even when it rains, what it means is, these are my values. This is who I am. And this is what I share with, with my beloved children. So here's what I want you to know. Your children have an opportunity now, when they're home more often, to find out what your real values are. Now, don't be scared. No, 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 it's not a threat. <laughs> I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to scare you. You have good values. You, wanna, you want me to, should I say Musa? Should I come in and tell you people have no values? You like, would you like that? Your kids don't like it, you don't like it. Okay. Wrong crowd, exactly. There are some crowds who love it, by the way. I won't name where, but okay. But you have good values. And you have a delicious opportunity for your children to see, to get a glimpse of some of your values. Now, do you need help? Do you need to be bolstered? Do you need to be extra strong in, 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 in times like this? Yes, of course. So I heard somebody. It wasn't me. Somebody mentioned soulwords.org. So there you go. There's your resource. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, Baruch Hashem, today with the internet, we're a derdeya, for better, for worse. You can always have a shear going. Whatever you're doing, just have a share in the background. And don't worry, oh, I'm not paying attention. I, I spaced out for 20 minutes. Of course you did. It's fine. It's metahir the Avir. Okay, just have it on. And even if you don't play it out loud, because sometimes, you know, it could be annoying. And, you know, just even if you have it in your ear, in your, your, what do you call it? Your, your earpods. Trust me, they know. They know when you're listening to a Shir in the earpods. And it is metahir the Avir. And it does purify your home. I'm talking on spiritual levels, but then there's practical levels too, that when you have a Dvar Torah on the tip of your tongue, then you get to be their mashpia, their main mashpia in life. And when you go out for a walk in the park, or, 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 or you take them shopping, which is real chinuch, especially for, from a mother to a girl, while you're walking and you're having a pleasant, relaxed time together, and there's no pressure, and you just gush forth with a vort from the Rebbe, because it's just so natural. It's because you're, you're not preaching to anyone. This just, it's just what you're passionate about. It's what I have in me. It's what's coming out of me. I would be talking about this stuff if nobody was watching. And I promise you, even though becamos most of their educational experiences happen in school, beechos, qualitatively, the formative moments in their life are those moments walking down Kingston Avenue, walking into the grocery store, and you just say a 10-second vort, not even because you're trying to sound smart, not because you want them to know it, but just because you're passionate about it and you want to share it with the person you love, and, 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 and you think they didn't even hear it. You didn't even, they didn't respond. I promise you, those words from your heart go into their precious little hearts, and they make such an impact, and you can't, have those opportunities as often when they're all day in school. So this is a precious opportunity. It's a, it's, 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 there's nothing like it. And I, and I know this is trite, and I know it's obnoxious, but what do you want? I'm behind the microphone. That's par for the course. I'm going to say it anyways. They say about parenting, don't throw eggs at me. The days are long and the years are short. Yeah, it's a grueling job. But you do wake up one day and you realize that you made it. And the nachas is incredible. So the summer days are kpshutay, longer days. (laughs) Like it gets dark much later. And if the kids are home, that makes it even longer. But that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. It's time where your children get to really absorb the essence of Hinoch. And then when you send them back to school, the schools have what to build on. The schools have what to build on. But it's, the foundation is you. You are the foundation. You are irreplaceable. Okay, thanks.